On the podcast today, we have the next episode of the 196 meditations on the Yoga Sutras. And today we'll be dissecting Sutras 30 to 40. So without further ado. Yeah. Sickness, apathy, doubt, carelessness, laziness, sexual indulgence, delusion, lack of progress and inconsistency are all distractions that by stirring up consciousness act as barriers to stillness. When they do, one may experience distress, depression, or, in a, or the inability to maintain steadiness of posture or breathing. One can subdue these distractions by working with any one of the following principles of practice. Consciousness settles as one radiates friendliness, compassion, delight, and equanimity toward all things, whether pleasant or painful, good or bad, or by pausing after breath flows in or out, or by steadily observing as new sensations materialize, or when experiencing thoughts that are luminous and free of sorrow, or by focusing on things that do not inspire attachment, or by reflecting on insights called from sleep and dreaming or through meditative absorption in any desired object. One can become fully absorbed in any object, whether vast or infinitesimal. Yes. So these 10 sutras, as as you mentioned, dissect a few things, right? They dissect nine distractions, three warning signs that we have to look out for, and also seven ways to neutralize these distractions in our, in our spiritual practice. So again, as we've mentioned in the earlier episodes of the Yoga Sutras, the Yoga Sutra is really a, a manual for serious meditation practitioners. So, and we get down into the basis of perception, mental activity, a lot of things that a lot of other traditions don't consider. So Patanjali goes down into these deeper levels. So. As you mentioned, with the uh, nine distractions, we have sickness, apathy, doubt, carelessness, laziness, sexual indulgence, delusion, lack of progress, and inconstancy. Uh, So it's interesting here that even he mentioned sickness, right? Mm. So Patanjali goes all the way here. So uh, trying to reorient our awareness that uh, we should even be in practice when we are ill, yes, which is very difficult, right? Like I remember seeing footage of Swami Dayananda when he was dying and he was still singing Om Namah Shivaya, mm. you know, so he was still really dedicated to the practice, pretty inspiring. But you could tell he, his psychosomatic organism is in pain, but he's holding on to something yes. in, in, in death, right? Mm. And so this is what Patanjali is talking about. It's about always holding on to that stillness in the present moment which is what yoga is all about yes these all nine types of distraction all comes from the the illusion of separate self we are separated from um, the body the the world i think this sort of idea again that is an illusion Mm. and i think a sickness especially when we are sick like because we feel a lot of pain, right? And we don't want to do anything. We just want to be lazy. And 
this uh, actually try to distract our mind off of this uh, pain, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it, the practice, spiritual practice becomes even more important when we feel sick. Mm-hmm. That kind of uh, numbs our attachment to the feeling of the body. I yeah. Think. See, as we've discussed in other episodes, if you are practicing yoga sincerely, you are developing that gap, mm. right? Between purusha, the pure awareness, let's call it Atman, undifferentiated consciousness and Vedanta, and Prakriti, all of the energy and the material world that the jiva, the persona yes. system is caught in, right? So, and as you were mentioning, the separate self, like we, we constantly think that this body, mind that we are, is separate from everything else, but it's just a part of Prakriti. Mm. Yes. So, but we, we have high opinions of ourselves as an <laughs> ego, and we think that we are separate from nature and the world and so forth and so on, but it's just an, it's just an element of that one material, mental, energetic Prakriti. Yes. And so if you are practicing yoga sincerely, then you are developing that gap mm-hmm. where, as I mentioned with Swami Dayananda's uh, story is that he had developed that gap mm. in his life and you also hear about this in stories about tibetan monks right where the they will check the body weeks after they have technically died but mm. there's something still mm. within the body that's keeping the body almost preserved in some sense like mm. it's because they were always holding on to this pure awareness that you know, science doesn't really acknowledge, yes. but the Eastern traditions always say that we need to focus on this pure awareness. So, like, for instance, uh, if there's a Tibetan Lama who passed away, but uh, he was sincere about his own practice and his spiritual path, so like, more and rigorous practice he it was, longer the physical body was somewhat kind of preserved yeah, yeah yeah because of that yeah, spirit i guess exactly yeah mm. there's actually a monk in thailand i think he passed away in the 70s and the body is still in not too bad shape mm. <laughs> you know like Interesting. It, yeah it, it, i think it's in the south of thailand a lot of people visit there and so you know you see evidence of this mm. around the world not just in thailand in, in tibet and in northern india and so forth but the point of this is, is again, is that the nine distractions, they, they agitate this body-mind matrix that we are, this, right. this element of Prakriti. And mm. the point of yoga practice is to uh, preserve stillness in the present moment. Yes. Because if we use the description in the first few sutras of the Yoga Sutra with Chitta Vritti Narodaha, which explains the practice of yoga, which means you've got to kind of settle the whirlpools of the mind, the vrittis, to see in your true, pure nature, then this is what it really is, right? The practice of yoga is this. It's about preventing, in this sense, the nine distractions from agitating the vrittis, which eclipses the reality Mm. of the present moment and and actually disturbs your mind so then you can't experience the stillness of the mind. Mm. You know, yeah. and as as we said, Patanjali takes it even step further, mentioning sickness, mm-hmm. uh, sexual indulgence. You know, yes. these sorts of things that are, can be a big hindrance, especially for a spiritual aspirant. Yeah, and even lack of progress. Like when we see, 
in the modern day, you know, when people feel like they have no purpose or they, they lack progress in their life, they get mm. very deflated, right? Mm. But Patanjali is saying if, if you are sincere in your practice of yoga, then you won't have a, like any sort of anxiety about not making any progress in mm. the progress in air quotes in the social world yes. so to speak i think if you follow the path sincerely for a long period of time there's a sense of the ananda the mm. blissfulness mm. so that uh, un unconditioned uh, joy is always with you with that mm. state of mind it, there would never be such thing as lack of progress because you always have a a certain level of um, joy in life, right? So you'll be always kind of motivated to do something, mm. like learning, exercising, could be anything really. Yeah, mm. and you won't overanalyze it. No. You know a lot of people on the spiritual path overanalyze everything. Like mm. if you mention Brahman or Vedanta, then you often get the non-dual police come out and say, ah, oh, you know, those who speak about Brahman don't know Brahman. It's like, because that's at a very teenage yeah. level mm -hmm. of spirituality where once you become a mature aspirant on the spiritual path, you can speak about these things without an anxiety about yes. if there's a right or wrong. That's a yeah. very Western competitive idea mm -hmm. where people fall into this game of spiritual one-upsmanship, yeah. which is really ridiculous. Yes. As adults, we can talk about philosophy and learn from each other and and especially if we're sincere on the path, we don't have to play games with the non-dual police. Mm. So, uh, yeah, these nine distractions, uh, as you said, are based on the illusion of the separate self. Yeah. Uh, and this illusion that that self is separate also from Prakriti, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And So, yeah, according to these uh, yeah, nine types of distraction, we will have these uh, three warning signs after this distraction. These, sign, these signs are to show you that it's this distraction, these distractions have taken hold in your mind, in your consciousness, yep. so that you, the state where you have, this, you have been disturbed by these um, distractions, which is yeah, distress, depression, inability to maintain steadiness of posture or breathing, I think these maybe um, uh, can be applied for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, this really gets into the vrittis, right? Like, because when yeah. the vrittis take hold, when the, the, the whirlpool of the mind, the mental activity is so intense, mm -hmm. what do you have? You have restlessness, you have uncertainty, doubt. You're not sure about your life, right? Yes. Because you've got too much crap going on in your, in your mind. And, and especially in this day and age where people are fixed to their phones and they're just going from one post to the next or whatever they do which is agitating their mind creating even more vrittis because you're not just looking at that post innocently you're, you're looking at it with your own perception your own judgment which is then you know evoking certain likes and dislikes anger yes uh, so forth and so on in your mind so it causes a lot of um, subconscious activity while you're not even aware of it. And I think that's where the real danger is mm. because we constantly expose ourselves in the online world in that fashion mm. so that we kind of hold on to this sort of emotion, anger, um, aggress aggression, and um, yeah, deep sorrow, 
suppression, frustration, and whatnot, all these things. Mm. But you yourself aren't aware of those emotions that's happening within you. So you kind of are keeping that in a storage room, yeah, right? Yeah. Same scars. Yes, you you constantly somewhat getting disturbed by, but you don't know why and how, mm. really. Yeah. Mm. Well, in yoga, as we've discussed, and also within Buddhism as well, there's a focus on uh, emptying the samskaras, the, the subliminal imprints and uh, mental impressions that we accumulate through life, which in psychology would be related to the subconscious. But what, as you were mentioning, what we are doing is we just keep filling that room up and we're proud of that room. We start, you know, putting pictures up in the basement and... Make it look nice. Make it look nice. Make sure it's, you f- fill it up. Yeah, fill it right up. There's no room left. Not even an ant can get into the into the uh, samskaras. So... And then we're holding on to that, right? Mm. And so then uh, when something does evoke a certain anger, we're proud to be aggressive about it. You know, this is the, the, the mass psychosis that's happening in, in the world today, especially due to technology. Mm. And so uh, the vrittis contribute to this because it, 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 it contributes to, you, you get caught in the whirlpool. That's, yes. why, that's why Patajal uses the, the the concept of a whirlpool, right? Yes. Because your mind is kind of caught in this turbulence and you can't see the reality without yes. your likes, dislikes, uh, you know, what, and your own personal biases. Mm. You, you can't sit back and, and just see the world purely without that. And so what does that lead into? Distress, as you mentioned, one of the yes. warning signs. Yep. Depression, Depression, one of the big ones in the modern world. Yeah. And also uh, an inability to maintain steadiness of posture and breathing. And so we know that, right? When when we are distressed, what happens? Breathing becomes shallow. You start to you, you know, you start to become very vulnerable and weak. Yeah, yeah. Because the distress uh, implies that you are somewhat in fear mm. for some reason, mm, mm. right? So that shows in your uh, yeah posture and uh, your your breathing being very unsteady and you become more anxious. Yes. Well, there was a, a rugby league coach here in Australia who was having a pretty tough time with the media because he wasn't getting the results at a, at, a, <clears throat> at a big football club here, one of the most famous football clubs in Australia. And he was getting a lot of attack by the media, as the media do, right? They're trolls. So they're attacking his character and, you know, he's not doing this and that. And then, you know, he kind of cowered away from, like, society a little bit even though you're still a coach. And one of the most respected people in the NRL came out and, and kind of gave him a phone call and, and said, <clears throat> when's the last time you took your wife to lunch? When's the last time you took your kids to school? You know, don't let the burden of all of this drag you down. Hold your head up high. Yeah. Sometimes things don't work. Yes. It's, it's life, right? And so this is what it means to keep your posture, keep your breathing, not be overwhelmed by the external world. Because, you know, in reality, Prakriti in some sense is is maya, is an illusion. And so a lot of things that we do on a personal level, we're either going to fail or succeed, you know what I mean? It doesn't, in some sense, matter either way from a spiritual context because we do things in life often that we fail at or we succeed at. Sometimes we put more value on certain things so it feels uh, worse when we fail mm. but we often fail a lot of th- uh, in a lot of things that we don't even put value on certain things we don't really care about right it, you know yeah so these are things we constantly got to think about 
you know, particularly when we're talking about uh, being overwhelmed by the vrittis. Yes. So keeping composure, keeping steadiness of breath, these are very important and not falling into restlessness, which is what, you know, Yes. which is what the vrittis are all about. As you mentioned earlier, earlier about the gap between the mind activity and the pure consciousness, and I think uh, that applies a similar in a way that the, uh, how you should perceive distractions mm-hmm. as well, I think. Nowadays, I feel that the distractions are too real, mm. too real. Mm. So if you're in a tough situation, that situation is too vivid and real to you so that um, you kind of forget what's really important in life, the real value in life. Mm. So, so yeah, to prevent that, I think we need to create somewhat a gap between uh, what's really important to what actually dis- dis- what is disturbing you, the distractions. That yeah. distractions are not real. No, no. It's not real. It looks so real. And when you're in it, you kind of, you black, you get blacked out, yeah. right? You forget about everything. Yeah. But yeah, we can't, we can't be in that state of mind. Well, the consistent thread between yoga, Taoism, Buddhism, Vedanta and so forth is keeping to the basics and the simplicity and not losing sight of those. And when we live in a complex society, we often lose sight of those. We don't take the wife for lunch. We don't take the kids to school. Yes. We miss out on all the things that actually make life worth living. Yeah. And we get caught up in our own head and these distractions that are actually only reside in our own head, really. We've created this complex world for ourselves where we get overwhelmed by the life we've created for ourselves. Yes. And as you mentioned, we've got to develop that gap because mm. once you have that gap, that can all go away and subside and you're still shanti. Yes. It doesn't matter. Yes. It doesn't exactly. matter. Mm. And so in saying that, that's when we move on to the seven ways to neutralize distractions, yes, right? Yes. And these are really interesting ones actually, Patanjali mentioned. Mm-hmm. The first one is radiating friendliness, compassion, delight and equanimity to all things. In some sense, impartially. Yes. Impartially. Yes. And so... These actually would be called in yoga the four heavenly abodes, so Brahma Viharas. Mm. So having, uh, you know, friendliness, compassion, delight, and equanimity, mm. which is very uncommon in the modern day. <laughs> you know. Yes, it's pretty. Just go online and see if anyone's friendly. <laughs> You'll get told instantly yeah. what you're doing wrong. How much you're a bad person and yeah, yeah. so forth. How much they can teach you. Yeah, exactly. How much they are, are more uh, intelligent. Exactly, exactly. Whatnot. Yeah, so um, again, this is uh, the uh, to, yeah, will to greet all phenomenon with kindliness is the, the this is the basis of non reaction. Yeah. It comes from non reactive uh, state of mind that you're practicing friendliness, compassion, delight, because you won't have any um, conditioned judgment upon things, right? And that is, again, kind of um, common with um, Buddhist tradition as well, that compassion and loving kindness, this is um, actually basic uh, practice in Buddhism. Vairagya, Mm. right? Like you said, non-reaction, 
uh, overcoming worldliness. Like, but the, that's where the the real friendliness, the impartial. Well, yeah, that's it. You you don't come from certain agenda anymore. You, no. There is no agent anymore. No. Right. No. You are purely showing your loving kindness to everyone without any judgment or conditioning. Yeah. Because they are mi- mirror-like of you as well. Of course. Yeah. And as as you know, we could look at that and we say, oh, friendliness and compassion, of course we would have that from that impartial view. But even Patanjali says we also have delight and equanimity that comes from that. Equanimity probably wouldn't be a surprise to a lot of people uh, because, like, once you stop engaging with your own agenda and superimposing on other people, you have a a much more spacious consciousness and you're much more free from your own mind, which is actually the problem in the first place. It's not really what's happening in the world. It's your own mind that's the problem. So equanimity, but then also delight. So Mm -hmm. see, when you practice the Brahma Viharas, the four heavenly abodes, you you actually begin to extract the real juice and fruit of life. Like you mentioned before, Ananda, you start to experience this real joy Mm -hmm. that not many people experience in the modern day, Yes, unfortunately. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then we come on to the, the, the second uh, way to neutralize distraction, which is pausing breath in and out. I mean, this... Pranayama. Pranayama. It's yeah. a very basic um, practice in Hatha Yoga, the Zen, Buddhism, yep. even the yeah, yoga tr- in Yoga Sutra as well. Uh, uh, yeah. And even, even this one, Patanjali, he's even explaining the most simplest form of pranayama here. Mm. He's not ex- he's not explaining kapubati pranayama the, right. the real forceful the breath of fire yes, that a yes. lot of people accustomed probably ha- do know. This is a real basic one that they actually even practice in, in Zen monasteries, when you breathe in and you just hold the breath for five seconds and then you breathe out and then as you've exhaled all the air out of your lungs, then you hold again for five seconds and you just constantly do this. Mm-hmm. And if you do this, say for thirty minutes, you have a Mm. nothing yeah, the vritti is all subside gone yeah. actually instantly when you start practicing this form of pranayama you start to feel it instantly because the breath has a gravitational pull on consciousness right that's why all meditation practices even within tai chi chuan and hatha yoga there's a breath component that's very important because it has a pull on consciousness mm. how do we stop the vrittis have you breathed today? Mm. And people say, what do you mean? Of course I have. But have you been conscious of your yes, breath? Yes. Oh, no, I haven't. Mm. Well, there you go. Mm. So then once you begin to be conscious of your breath, then mm. it ha- you have this pull yeah. on the consciousness and it actually turns mm. you away from distractions. And so you and I have practiced that for many years and we know that just a simple form of breath, like this simple form of pranayama in, in Patanjali yoga, I mean, if you practice it for one hour, you're completely gone. It has real significant effect, and it's a very powerful method, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, yes, there is a gravitational pull to the pure consciousness. Mm-hmm. And also, the breath is the only connection with the, our consciousness and the body as well. Mm-hmm. That's why using uh, breath exercise is yeah, very, it's actually fundamental. It is. Mm-hmm. We'll take this away. What happens? You don't breathe no more? What? Yeah. No more then. No more. <laughs> so the third way to neutralize distraction is steadily observing 
as new sensations materialize. So what we're really talking about here is mindfulness of sensations as they are. Yeah. So the sensations here, uh, mental sensations, yes. uh, is phys- physical world, whatever's happening in the physical world, everything yeah. really, yeah. the sensations of the whole panorama of Prakriti. Yes. Yeah, uh, mindfulness practice, if you, again, can hold for a long period of time, y- it reveals a lot of things. It, it reveals, like, details of your emotions and also certain reactions that you've reacted from certain situations, including, yep. uh, like, a very subtle aspects of your own perception on things as well, yes. right? Because yes. uh, mindfulness is meaning that you are observing your inner world, inner landscape very carefully, right? Mm -hmm. And you uh, become more conscious of your own emotions and you start kind of, it gives you opportunity to start working on them. Mm. Why why was I triggered by uh, this? And why did I feel such way? Mm. And even... Yeah, perception on the world, the way perception um, can easily lead into judgment as well because the way we perceive things also have a, must have certain agenda, right? Yeah. We come from certain yeah, conditional mind. Yep. So these subtle aspects of perception also become a bit more on the surface that you will be able to see uh, what kind of mm, prejudice or... Uh, your kind of yeah, conditioning that you've had for yeah. such long time. Your biases and everything like yes, that. Yes. Your own personal agendas. This is why I mentioned at the start, like this, especially like these type of sutras, these 10, we're getting down to the deeper level where we're analyzing the activity of mind and, and perception itself, right? Perception itself. So uh, Patanjali talks about Poverty. So poverty is like this flicker of mental activity that we have. And so when you have this flicker of mental activity, these sensations in your mind that come from the samskaras, it's about developing, well, if you are practicing yoga, you are trying to develop that gap. So you are starting to witness those just as they are and not reacting to them. Yes. You know, usually... We have the flicker of attention, we have the poverty, but then <coughs> we act. It's a simultaneous <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We emotionally react. No filter, no, no. gap, nothing. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So these are what cause suffering, right? So the, the poverty, the mental activity uh, are what is what causes suffering because we act from that place yeah. and then we cause all sorts of karma yeah, and we cause harm on others and harm for ourselves as well and so it's a very unconscious way to actually operate in the world when you think about it and a lot of people experience this when they first come across spirituality Mm. when they become more attentive to their mind they realize how haphazardly they were going through life yes without any filter without any sense of self-observation it is pretty insane when you think about it right I like the how actually uh, the commentary he said that this is a chains of rumination. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, yes, that's <laughs> like right. never-ending chains of rumination, yep. right? Like yep. thoughts after thoughts, and that those thoughts trigger certain emotions, and emotion after emotion, you get reacted by your own emotion, mm, yeah, yeah. and then you um, acted in different ways. Something yeah, you compromise in your. A way of thinking, behavior, and mm. that creates another thought, and it's just never-ending cycle. Never-ending cycle, and we've all experienced it because yes. we're all human, and we all have a mad mind. Mm. And so, Patanjali talks about like if once you start to observe the poverty, so the 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 activity of the activity, mind. the flicker of activity of the mm. mind, we calm the nervous system down with the incessant samskaras the mm. subliminal activity yes and so the the point of that is you begin to access the subtle aspects of your perception itself mm. just perceiving itself right and so that's why we i mentioned this is a meditation manual the yoga sutras so when you begin to really calm those pro the poverty down in your own mind the vrittis so to speak then you start to access the aspects of perception itself, just mm. pure seeing, mm. which is very difficult for mm. most people who, who, have, mm. who haven't even entered the path. Because if you say to the average Joe or Jane, do you know about the aspects of your perception? They'd be like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's like talking in an alien language. Alien language, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's why this language is for some and not for all, obviously. <laughs> Though, this is what's very important because when we begin to observe that activity the sensations when we, mm. as he says mindful of these sensations that materialize that arise in our mind right then we start to you know go to the deeper level mm. where we go to perception and awareness itself mm. and we start to then observe that observe mm. the pure seeing mm. and when pure seeing gets prolonged then there is no arising anymore no. obviously that comes in long time long period of um, um practice exactly yeah. in vipassana they say that this is a method to actually empty out the samskaras yeah. because if you're on the level where you're just looking at pure scene not looking at pure scene but you you're you are observing mm. the aspects of your pure scene at the same time, someone's in the samskara is just throwing junk out of it. Like, right. you've got someone in there going, oh, well, the, the, the game is up. Yeah. Because I'm not, this, this being is not paying attention anymore oh, right. to the vrittis and the samskaras and the vasanas and, and karma. Yes. You don't give any fuel anymore. You don't feed it anymore. The house that's, starts to burn down. Yes, that's why. Yeah, that's right. That's why it uh, slowly kind of. It, disappears it, it loses its power loses its power yeah because it, it bubbles pop up right mm. but you're just purely observing you become a pure uh, witness right you're just watching it do you react of course not you don't react you don't uh, get triggered by mm. those thoughts you just remain as the pure consciousness the pure witness mm. and let these bubbles pop and go pop and go right yep. but once you do that there's a kind of a alchemy it yeah. happens exactly that's that's the yeah moment when these uh, bubbles lose lose its power it, and it doesn't exist anymore no mm. we can't say why it just happens like that mm. i get a lot of people asking me about these methods and yoga and vedanta and vipassana particularly 
why does why does it have this sort of effect? And it's like, well, we can't really say, but what we can say from observation is that this is what happens. You're just absorbed in pure being, pure abiding in the perception and the awareness, and you do that for prolonged periods of time, then the removal agent, the removalists have come into your house, taken everything yeah, yeah. out, and you can go back into that house, but there's nothing left there. Yeah. And right. so, and we have evidence of this through millions of monks, mm. Ramana Maharshi, Lao Tzu, Shankara, whoever, mm. right, who have practiced the same method. Yes. So it's no surprise, right? No, no surprise at all. Again, instead of trying to find out why, I think that is just the, the nature of mind. Yeah. I think that's just purely nature of mind. And these sort of exercises actually reveal that nature of mind. Yes. yes. That's what it is, I think. Mm. Definitely. So now we get on to the fourth, uh, replace dis- distracting thoughts. So Yes. Yeah, like experience thoughts that are luminous and free of sorrow, that, yeah, is going beyond the likes and dislikes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically pretty much what we've been talking about, but it's about changing the the mentality altogether yeah so instead you know like a lot of people get into this real negative bind in life and they become pessimistic and cynical and and look i'm not saying that being pessimistic and cynical is completely bad there's times that probably that's necessary but if you're so fixated on that mm. at all times mm. i don't think that that's a healthy healthy or beneficial for mm. anybody so patanjali here is saying that you need to kind of free yourself from these likes and dislikes that we have because this, this allows us to let go of the illusion of the separate self. Yes, that's right. Again, likes and dislikes only based on our the mind activity, yes. isn't it? Yes. Right? Like we pleasurable experience or in pleasure experience, and we create likes and dislikes, this sort of idea, like, like concept, really. Yeah. And that is very momentary and comes and goes. There is no such reason to be detached. Are un- attached to these uh, feelings, likes or dislikes. No. Uh, m- more we stay with the likes and dislikes, that only reinforces the separation. Yes. Right? Yes. So, yeah, we need to avoid these feelings. Exactly. Exactly. And so we move on to the fifth one, mm-hmm. focusing on things that do not inspire attachment. Now, this is a way of kind of detaching from things actually you are attached to. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty simplified practice, really. Yeah. Like we, we often focus on things we are attached to, no matter whether it's a person or a job we have, a country we are, Mm-mm. or not that we are, but we think that we are, <laughs> and so forth, right? So yeah. we, we, we constantly are focused on things that we are attached to. And Patanjali is here saying, why don't you reorient your awareness to things that are, in some sense, meaningless to you, mm. but focus there. Like, focus on nature, for example. Imagine that. Like, you you say to someone today, I want you to go outside, sit on that hill, and just focus on the surrounding mountains. and be like, why? But the point is, is back to what we were talking about before, is that once you change your perception, it starts to have a deep, uh, a, a deeper um, practice kind of a deeper effect on other things that you have within your samskaras and yes, your vasa. Yes, you, yes. So you begin to empty that out by yes. focusing on things that don't rekindle that fire. Yes. 
Yeah, it's funny when we uh, get, when we focus on things that actually doesn't trigger your attachment. That has a this effect that like your mind becomes calm and quiet just naturally, naturally. right? So that allows us to have this space to you know bring these samskaras and do a bit of cleaning work. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So then we get into the. Uh, Sixth one, this is an interesting one, reflecting on insights culled from sleep and, and dreaming. dreaming. So you you don't see much from Patanjali about sleep and dreaming. Like mm. you'll see more of this type of practice within Tibetan Buddhism, Tibetan yoga, the Bon tradition. You know, Tibet had Tibet in general have a, a big focus on dreaming and sleep. Yes. But you also see it in the in the tantric traditions of Shaivism and uh, and so forth. But uh, this one is reflecting on insights cold from sleep and dreaming. So reflecting on what you can learn basically from your sleep and, and dreaming is, is basically what we're talking about. Yeah, um, like you said, in Tibetan traditions, they actually uh, put a lot of hours into this kind of um, practice, right? But even if you don't follow such the Tibetan uh, tradition, I think, I mean... Sometimes we do get some sort of like, insights from sleep or dreaming, right? Mm. Like, again, that uh, the sleep and dreaming is reflection of your subconscious mind. <coughs> so, um, yeah, something um, arises from your unconscious mind to kind of giving you some sort of um, message. Exactly. Well, in Tibetan Buddhism, they have a big focus on lucid dreaming yes so as a practice and there are methods to practice lucid dreaming and so forth and so on look some scholars think it's unnecessary some teachers think it's completely unnecessary mm -hmm. but then if you're with alan wallace for example mm -hmm. who was one of the the, the great scholars of tibetan uh, buddhism and the bond tradition and tibetan yoga who who was a, a disciple of actually a dalai lama mm -hmm. he he has a big focus on not a big focus, but he speaks a lot about lucid dreaming and the practice of lucid dreaming and how to do it and so forth and so on. Uh, it's not for everyone, right? It's not no. for everyone. But there are certain things that you can learn through that practice, as, as you were talking about, because we can start then to, in some sense, surf the subconscious in, in a conscious manner, uh. you know, which is very different to like how we, our, waking relationship with our samskaras and our vasanas. Right. You know. You might be able to see a bit more clearly. Yeah. Mm. It might be horrific, yes. but you might be able to see it more clearly and actually mm. in interact and engage with it mm. in the dream landscape. So, mm. and I think that Patanjali is in some sense talking a little bit about this, about he's not saying lucid dreaming per se, but he's kind of hinting at, there's a deeper element, insight that we can gain from uh, observing, as you said, the subconscious and kind of trying to take a deeper message out of it. Look, not all dreams, and we don't want to we don't want to yeah. extrapolate that to say all dreams and everything like that has a meaning for you. They don't. Yes. You might watch some stupid Netflix show before you go to bed, and and then you dream of yeah, like that <laughs> has no meaning for you at all. It's just a. Uh, uh, kind of an impression you took into your samskaras that's kind of just 
regurgitated yes. in a dream landscape. Yes. It's when we have those deeper uh, dreams that they feel like they're more real and they mean something. Yes. That is what Patanjali is talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the seventh one, the last uh, way to neutralize distractions is uh, meditative absorption in any desired object. So jhana. 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 Yes. Yes. So jhana, if for those who don't know, is the seventh limb of the eight limbs of yoga. Yeah. So, and the the inner yoga, so to speak, is dharana concentration, jhana meditative absorption, and samadhi, samadhi. samadhi mm. uh, release. You could say complete absorption in the higher self, so mm. to speak. So I think that dharana, the attention, fixing yeah. attention, and, yep. and jhana, absorption, and samadhi, the complete uh, integration, that is, I think, pretty much the process that we will go through when you uh, go through these seven ways to neutralize the distraction that we've been talking about so far, Yes. right? Yes. Yes, the fixing attention, uh, dharana, could be from mindfulness practice yep. through pranayama yep. and whatnot, and yeah, like uh, um, focusing on things, not inspiring uh, attachment, and all these kind of uh, principles. Yes, and yeah, absorption uh, jhana. Well, see, the jhana, the meditative absorption, right, is like uh, people would des- describe it that. You meditate on an object. Now, the object is, don't think of an object as in like a physical object. You have an object of attention we've got to think about here. Yes. So it could be breath. Yeah. It could be an image you have in your mind, so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. The point of jhana is that the more you practice this, the more your, your perceptual faculties flow towards the object, that's when the object becomes indivisible from the subject. So you have this kind of you have this absorption then in the object where the object itself disappears, and this is what mm. opens opens the gate up to samadhi. So, if you have a breath practice, for example, and you practice in it for you know how many years or so forth and so on, there's or maybe it can be the first time you, you you'll start to experience that this kind of into this unification with the object of the practice yes where you disappear yes and then mm. that's the only way samadhi can arrive this sounds like what we were talking about that alchemy i mentioned mm. that when you're in deep practice of mindfulness and pranayama then you purely become a pure witness to your own mind and mm. your bubbles arise arise you yep. don't no longer give any attention to them and they kind of melt away yep. on their own so that's the when it when that happens that's that jhana is happening that complete absorption that meditative absorption yes yeah. that's right so when we get into the inner yoga of the, the eight limbs as, as we mentioned here the dharana jhana and samadhi when this process is complete then the complete restlessness and movement of consciousness of the mind, it all comes to a standstill. Mm. It's the game is yes. over. Yes. The game is over. And all that is left is pure stillness. Mm. Is Narodaha. That's why Chitavriti Narodaha, right? Like so 
there's only stillness then. So you can see into the nature of your mind and then you, even if I throw a rock into your tranquil lake, it'll just be absorbed and won't make a ripple, ripple. in the lake to, to kind of give a representation of what the experience is like, if you can call it an experience. Because yes. it's actually our, our true nature. Yes. But the eight limbs of yoga are a way to reorient our awareness back towards yes. that pure stillness. And that is that, that integration, complete integration, the samadhi. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's the state of the consciousness. Yeah. Pure still state of Pure consciousness. Still, yeah. yeah. So it all happens after we go through that process, right? Concentration, mm -hmm. meditative absorption, then integration yeah. or release or liberation, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. We have many ways to language samadhi. But that's what it is, right? And so that really sums up those 10 sutras. Yeah. And it's... A good reminder for everyone yes. to think about the nine distractions, the three warning signs, if you are experiencing any of those warning signs. And if you are, then thinking about these seven ways to neutralize these distractions. Yes. Really good. Nice 10 verses. Compact, yeah. concise, yeah. 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 to the point. Yeah. Okay, guys, we hope you enjoyed and see you guys next time.